Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. We are back. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, I've been a little bit busy, um, but I've got a free night, and uh, um, and I'm very keen to talk about uh, to talk about the A League because uh, it's been a bit going on the last couple of weeks. And joining me to to talk about it is Cody Ajada and Antonis Pagonas. Cody, let's start with you. How's how's things with you and uh, in your day to day life at the moment? Yeah, same old, same old. I go to work from nine to five, five days a week, and I spend my weekends either at the football or with my fiance. So I don't, I don't know where else to go with this other than it's just pretty stock standard things going on. It's not um an overly exciting movie like time, I guess. So yeah, just just trudging along, really. Oh, all right, trudging, um, <laughs> Antonis. Yeah, look, I've used this joke before on another podcast but it's very good so i'm going to use it again because there is a stigma attached to my podcast and it's clear for all to see so looking forward to talking about it oh man did you you use that on on the a leagues of their own podcast did you absolutely yeah you did okay all right cool um yeah well wow. <laughs> that's a that's a good way to start uh because we are going to get into look we have to talk about it um it's it's the big story of the A League at the moment. Marco Rudin um, and his comments of late, uh, definitely comments plural because uh, it seems like there's a new one every day at the moment. Um, so first of all, the the round that's just gone actually um, was nuts. We'll talk more about uh, just some of the other kind of um, interesting subplots from from the weekend at the end. Um, but yesterday, Wanderers and Jets drew all three all. Of course, last week, the Wanderers lose 4-3 to MacArthur. Rudin goes on this six-minute rant after the game um, where he, yep, as Antonis said, points to some sort of stigma against his club, um, calls out the standard refereeing, all this sort of stuff. Then he has a presser midweek before the Newcastle game where he doubles down. He again talks about referees and then he starts talking about other things which have nothing to do with referees. Uh, and we will unravel that a little bit more in a second. Um, and then the Newcastle game happens. Um, before that, he's also here with the show course notice uh, after the MacArthur game, I should have mentioned, from, from Football Australia. But then the Newcastle game happens. We see probably three decisions in the game, um, two of them that were correct. Uh, one that wasn't, in my opinion, anyway. Um, and that was that was probably the yellow card for Tate Russell, although it definitely was a penalty and it definitely was a red card for Jarrett Hendricks. Um, and then, of course, this just fuels Rudin's narrative a little bit more, I guess, uh, after the game. And he, and he just keeps going. He doubles down. Um, he's a little bit probably less boisterous than he was after the MacArthur game, but it's the, it's the same, you know, sort of stuff uh, where he's... Uh, where he's kind of pointing to refereeing. And then he's also, you know, again, mentioning this other stuff about the state of the game um, and all this sort of stuff, which really didn't have anything to do with what played out on the football pitch. Um, and now, today, uh, recording this on a Monday night, Football Australia have uh, have confirmed that uh, it's investigating the conduct of Wanderers officials and fans during and after their A-League men game against the Jets under FA's code of conduct and ethics. Um, dare I say, Paul Letterer um, uh, might be, uh, yeah, 
who knows, could be facing some sort of uh, punishment from Football Australia as well. All right, I'm uh, I'm actually going to throw to one of you on this first, and then and then I'll take it from there. Um, Cody, let's start with you. What uh, what do you make of this whole situation? Because this has gone on for now what a couple of weeks. We've got a coach who's you know defending his club. I guess that's what he says. Um, as I'm going to point out, at the moment there's a lot of inconsistencies in what he's saying, um, and he seems to be kind of just trying to take on everyone at the moment uh, from Nick Garcia and the APL to Football Australia and the referees. And uh, at the moment, seems like it's not working because Football Australia are uh, just handing down show cause notices and investigations. What uh, what are you saying? Well, first of all, considering I am the man from FPF that's meant to be based in West Sydney going to these, great couple of weeks. Wait, so you're not actually based in Western Sydney? Games. You're meant to be based in Western Sydney? <laughs> well, I am based in Western Sydney, but I haven't been able to get out to the Arm Wanderers games for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And what a couple of weeks to miss in reality. Um, look, I don't know how I would have gone to that press. I don't think I've ever been in one that's been overly confrontational. So it would have been an experience, but it would have been, it would have been a story, I guess. That's probably the best way I can put it. Look, I'm probably not going to come out as harsh as what other people have. I feel like there's kind of two sides. There's other people that are vehemently against what Rudin's saying and are looking for, I won't say looking for any reason to try and drag him down because there are very valid points into what he's doing and why it's wrong. But from a wondrous perspective, you're talking about, you know, how people are kind of reacting to it. There's, and if it's the right thing to do, I think if you're a wondrous fan and you feel like, look, rightly or wrongly, whether you feel like your heart, club's being hard done by, to have a coach that's willing to put himself out there and go, hey, I don't like what's happening with my club. I don't like what's happening around us. I'm going to go and talk about it. That, in theory, isn't a bad idea. I think where the issue comes in is how you go about it. First of all, the and I know we'll get into this in a little bit more detail later, but I am 100% against name dropping on referees. Adam Kersey, Adam Kersey sorry, buddy, he's got, my, he's got me mixing up his name now. Wait, shit, Marco, did you enter the room? What? <laughs> yeah, no, look, I genuinely forgot his name. But um, look, whether you've got history with the ref or not, whether you agree with his performance or not, you don't go into a presser after a game, name drop him, and then follow on with suggestive comments about him. And my, that's automatically going to put you offside with a lot of people. And not just that, but it's referees are already in a position where at a junior level we're struggling to retain him, we're struggling to keep him. That's going to be a flow and effect that you see in the next 20, 30 years where the standard of refereeing will slowly drop at the top of the game as well. Didn't even think about that when, when I was planning for this. And, you know, that's a great no, point that you mentioned about how referees are dropping out of the game and how this is not going to help that at all. And look, I'm going to go on a slight tangent, but I remember my younger years as a player when I was 13, 14, 15. I thought I was cool when I had a goal to referee. I look back at those mm. times now and think, okay, yeah, maybe I was a bit of an idiot. But the issue is when you've got people in positions of influence that go and do these things, and it's not just limited to Rudin as well. There's obviously you mentioned Paul Lederer, who will most likely be facing a sanction from Football Australia for what he did. In my opinion, that's probably even worse because this is a guy that's meant to be sitting up there in the box. He's not meant to be on the football pitch, and he's certainly not meant to be talking to the referees himself. Marco Rudin does have a right to an extent to go and talk with the referees. How he does that, maybe we can pull into question. You definitely don't have the right to go and name drop him in the way he did in a press conference. First of all, that's get that out of the way. That is horrible. You don't do that. And he should certainly be reprimanded for it. There's a flow on comments where I, I know people have talked about, okay, it's a really weird thing to bring up in the time. Maybe it's just built up frustration. And I look, I'm not looking to 
back the, back him up or back what he's saying up in any way. I'm just trying to think of the thought process. I have been in a fair few press conferences with him. I like to think I'm slowly getting a better understanding of him and how he works because I've also seen him on days where he's actually really happy and believe it or not, it's been days where he's actually lost. But um, I don't know if it maybe just be a sense of frustration building up and he's decided to go, you know what, all these things are in my head as well. I'm going to go and get him out. But I think the best reference points I can, point I can give to that is we were all there at Unite Rounds. We saw how his mind can trail off into different things when he does want to make a point. The biggest example I can give of that on top of that is when I asked him about Badalado's character and he went on a tangent about how young players are perceived in the media. Technically, what he was saying does, well, I won't even say technically, what he said holds value. And to an extent, he's actually on the money with what he was saying. It was just a really weird time and stage to bring it up. And I do feel like there's a lot of thoughts that kind of go on through his head. And sometimes when he's, look for lack of a better word, emotional, a lot of them just kind of come out at once. The MacArthur game, I don't get the part about the stigma against his club. I understand, look, a decision went against him in the game, rightly or wrongly. You know, you're talking about a ball crossing a line. It's a very objective thing. It very well could have been the wrong decision. I don't think it was very much in Adam Kersey's line of sight as to how he could have judged it. I think there's probably things at an FA level that can be done to rectify that, but that's a whole other conversation we can have later. But um, the stigma part, this in the last three weeks, it's happened about three or four times to different people. This isn't, look, I had to, I don't even have to say it. It's got to be said, it's not a stigma against Wanderers. I think just about every club in the league this season has copped in one way, shape or form a negative decision against them. That's probably cost them one or two, three points. So it's not the stigma that he's saying. It's not the stigma that Wanderers fans are kind of leaning into. I understand where Wanderers fans are happy to go out and support their manager. I think if you're a club unified, you know, whether people agree with what's going on or not, it is a sign of a healthy club that everyone's kind of on the same page in the way they're moving forward. But on the same, on the same token, you don't want a toxic culture to fester where, you know, you have your CEO or whatever he is at the club, the chairman or whatever it is, Paul Lederer coming down from the, um, stands to go and have a goal at a referee, how long until a fan decides, okay, I've got my coach doing it, I've got my chairman doing it, owner, whatever you want to call it, why don't I? And that's probably my biggest concern in all this. It's a stretch. People might hear this and think, oh, you're overreacting. It's not something that's going to happen. It's not out of the realms of possibility. It's definitely worst case scenario, but I think it's something that probably has to be brought up because you're talking about someone with, a large sphere of influence on a club. As a fo- as someone in football, you've got an inherent requirement, for lack of a better word, to promote good social values in the game. And that comes to respecting officials as well. So I think that's probably the thing I'm most disappointed about this situation. Cody, um, also you mentioned uh, about inciting. Last year, we saw something happen with fans coming on the pitch with a lot less inciting from actual public figures to do things. You know, we all know what I'm talking about. It was a decision that people disagreed with, but it doesn't take much, you know, and I absolutely agree with what you have to say, and I'm not going to add too much on it, but again, bad decisions happen. It's the reality of it, and I'm sure anyone that's listening to this or has followed the league or any team anywhere has faced bad decisions. After that MacArthur game, if Marco Rodan comes down and says these decisions were shocking, something needs to happen, we need to look at this, we need to look at that, and in the day, 
I think about 95% of the league would have applauded him for it. And I said, we absolutely agree. Once you start making it personal with the referee himself, once you start building arguments not even connected, and I'm sure Christian might bring this up a bit later, that's when you lose people in my eyes. And then, Obviously, you have the whole leather situation, which I've come down on it very hard because I've seen this happen in my home country, and that thing doesn't resemble a league anymore. And it's just very concerning when you see this stuff happening in our own country over here. And, you know, this has been going for two weeks, and we're at this point, and it's just very disappointing that we have to talk about things like that. So, and just one more, yeah. just one more point. I'm sorry. No, uh, when you talk about that stigma being placed in your club, I don't think that was a thing before. Definitely not when it comes to referees or the league. In my opinion, I think especially the league would like a strong Western Sydney for the health of the league. But when you come out and you behave in this way, which for me is completely unreasonable, because you have far and away exceeded the point of just calling out a bad decision. You have gone nuclear. Well, then. A stigma does appear, but that stigma is you because you have made, you have placed a stigma on your football club, not on the club itself, on yourself because you are the representative of a football club. So, you know, it cannot be healthy for how they're perceived, not just by people, by the league, by the referees, just unconsciously. When you've come out for two weeks straight and you are going off like you are the first club that's ever been wronged in football. Yes, be upset, but there's a line you need to draw and I feel like the Wanderers as an organisation, when it comes to the leaders, have by far and away passed that line. And honestly, it's, and I mentioned that before, it's time to start looking in the mirror because I'm sorry, the referees didn't score seven goals against you in two weeks. You know, there's stuff you can control as well. So, you think you think Rudin ever spoke about the Wanderers defending in those two games at all in either of those press conferences? I'm asking. Well, I'm asking very, the, the, the problem here. He had is, a very convenient destruction. Yeah, look, that's I was just about to lean into that. The problem. Look, you look at the MacArthur game. He got the first question that was actually asked about the game. He said his piece and then basically walked out of the room before anyone could follow it up. He was annoyed that he had to ask answer another question a relatively valid question about Brendan Brillo as well. And even which, which we all know was asked because that journalist, uh, which was Paletti knows that if <laughs> that he's going to go on a rant and he's not going to be able to get an important question in about Brillo, which is an important question. Cause that's one of his important players. So he asked it first and then Rudin suddenly uh, in the press conference before the Newcastle game has a crack at him about it. Clear, that's what it sounded like. Um, and it's like, Mate, like, you know, we were in that press conference after the City game. Like, this guy's a very difficult guy to ask questions to. And I like I was I was only in one one press conference, right? Like look, it's look, look, look. Yeah, yeah. Find it on that. I don't know if it's look, as of late. No, no I don't mean probably... okay, maybe maybe that was a little bit harsh. But what I'm saying is he comes in with things that he wants to say. We 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 spoke about this, the three of us, after that press conference. He he's got certain things he wants to say, he's got agendas that he wants to set. He after that MacArthur game, said to himself, I'm deflecting hard, I'm pivoting hard, and we are going down this route. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking everyone with me and I don't care if I get show cause notices, in investigation, whatever. Like, enough's enough. I'm doing this. And it's it's just it's just a bunch of whinging. 
to be honest with you. It, it really is. Um, and, you know, it's <laughs> like if you want to point to like, you know, so he says after the MacArthur game, he said, you know, it seems to me that nobody wants that to happen. And he was talking about the Wanderers being successful. So first of all, who, who are these people that you're referring to? Because you referred to some people before that. Um, and if it's the referees, like, do you honestly think referees are being instructed to go out there and make decisions against the Wanderers on purpose? No, no. Adam Kersey was told before the MacArthur game, hey, Adam, go out there and make sure you don't send off German if he kicks out at someone. Now, by the way, by the way, those decisions were wrong. Well, that Jamal decision was definitely wrong. I totally mm-hmm. agree with Mark Rudin on that. Uh, it, it was t- totally, totally wrong. But as Cody mentioned before, it's not like any other team in the league does not does not go uh, does not get you know um, calls as well. Like er- everyone has it throughout the season, right? Um, and listen, I cannot comment. Maybe Cody's in a bad situation. I cannot comment on historical issues between. Uh, the Wanderers and Football Australia and and the fan stuff say in 2015, it's not my place and I don't have the knowledge. So I'm not going to comment on that. But if you're going to make basically a claim or suggest towards that basically FA is against you and there's some sort of conspiracy, you, you better have some pretty good evidence to back that up. Um, that That's pretty, that, that's, you know, uh, that's what I'm getting at. And Rudin has mentioned before the Newcastle game, he said that they sent through stuff to Football Australia and all this sort of stuff. But again, it, it just sounded to me like every like you're telling me. So he, he was talking about, you know, I can go on and on about all these incidents. It's like, okay, so you're telling me that if every manager across the league went through, every manager in the league could go through every single one of their games, thoroughly examine every call, miss call, marginal error, throw in that wasn't given their way. And I'm pretty sure they'd be in the same boat, you know? It's just, and it just seems like he's getting irked by, like, he, he seems like he gets irked by throw-ins. It's like, mate, I'm, I'm sorry. Sometimes, you know, referee didn't see that the ball came off, you know, the opposition player's knee or something like that. It just happens. It's just mm-hmm. life. And, yes. you know, like, like, and, and, and just to go back to this weekend, sorry, Antonio, before I throw to you. Mm-hmm. So the Mariners got done 3-1 at home to Sydney FC, right? The first goal for Ryan Grant, uh, Fabio Gomez was in an offside position. He didn't touch him. Didn't look like he touched the ball, but it was, you know, potentially controversial. Do you think Mark Jackson complained about it after the game? I'm asking you guys. Do you think he did? No, no. Well, I was there, he said. So he I said. Firsthand. <laughs> well, there you were actually there. But he said, you know, we trust the referee's process. You know, we trust they did the right thing. But he knows that his team weren't good enough. He's not going to mm-hmm. make excuses for it, right? Um. Melbourne victory. Tony Popovich, out of all the managers this weekend, had every right to to complain about something, right? Victory, maybe the ball went over the line, but his team's undefeated. They had heaps of chance in the game, so he could have easily pivoted and gone, like, you know, the referees have got that wrong. We easily should have got a point from this game. But you know what? To his credit, he didn't. He just didn't. He said, you know, same sort of things. He said, we trust the referees process, this sort of stuff. Sajowski was asked about it, said the same thing. So, Rudin is the odd man out. He just is. And now people will say, you know, and maybe you could say that all the managers were on high alert this weekend because of that show cause notice to Rudin. Um, but it seems to me that a lot of the other managers in the league are holding their team's performance to account and themselves to account first before anything else. So another one was Stanton yesterday on the other side of the fence from the game yesterday, right? You know, 
it seemed a little bit like he's actually firing back at Rudin um, because he, he kind of said, you know, everyone needs to calm down. So, you know, we obviously know what he's talking about there. Uh, he said it after the game too, yeah, and he's in his in his um on pitch interview. Um and he wasn't happy with the challenge that Tay Russell made on Clayton Taylor in the first half. But he said these are the things that happened in the game. You know, that that's actually what he said he wasn't happy about it, but th- this happens, you know, and it's just a reality of football. Um and again, <laughs> you know, he, he when he's talking about the end of the game and he's talking about, you know, maybe I could have done something different to, you know, kind of maybe change the game and, and help us, you know, hold on to the lead and this sort of stuff. So the point I'm getting at is other managers across the league are holding themselves and their teams to account first before they're looking at referees. As Antonis mentioned, the Wanderers conceded seven goals in the last two weeks. Defensively, they looked a shadow of themselves. I don't want to hear about injuries. I really don't. MacArthur had Ulysses de Vier out on Saturday that beat victory away from home. That's one example. Right, Wanderers have got one of the deepest squads in the league, probably a top two squad in the league. Look at the foreign signings that they've made. There's there is no excuse for them not to be a top two team right now. And and Rudin wants to say that they're not in the top two because basically FA are making sure that they can't get in the top two sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. don't know about that. Antonis, over to you. Just a couple of things with that. So every manager that you just brought up, the only difference between them and Rudin is they're actually talking about things they can control. He's talking about things that is out of exactly control. what Stanton said yesterday, by the way. He said, I can only control things, but yeah. Well, exactly. So yeah, that's all you can focus on. And I'm sorry, like, I'm a teacher. When kids I get, get upset at each other, that's why I tell them, focus on things you can control. This is me talking to my students. You know, this is where this argument comes from. So obviously you need to focus on what you can control. And I'm sure that's what your players want to hear as well. Not about how you're being wronged and all these things. Tell us what we can do. Focus on us. That's the first thing. Number two, fans, APL, Football Australia. I think you'd be, if you went and asked like the actual football people that followed this league, what was the, I guess, peak, but in a good way, peak of the A-League, what was the, top few years of the A-League, I am sure the majority of these people will point out from about the moment the Wanderers came in to about 2016, 2017. And the Wanderers had a lot to do with that. So everyone knows the value this football club brings to this league. I'm sorry, that's not even an argument. So I'm very confident no one wants to deliberately see you suffer and do poorly. I think, as me personally, I'd love to see the RBB for every week. I'd love to see this community to get behind their club. We're not getting that right now, obviously, to the full extent. But I don't think anyone, especially in the league that is struggling to stay on its feet, that, oh, you know what? This big market go over there. Let's just actively make life hard for them. I don't think that anyone's mind goes there except the person that's feeling wrong right now and is trying to point fingers to everyone except him and his own side. And lastly... You talked about consistency. You want consistency? Well, when it comes to consistency on the football field, which we can talk about, I think a lot has been spoken about the win-loss, 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 win-loss record of the Wanderers. And I agree with you. This is a team that on paper should be a lot better than what they're doing. You know, Marco Rudan told us about how they were the cleanest team in the competition a few weeks ago. No problem. So if you had all these players on the park for so long, why were you still struggling to find consistency? And, and also, if you're the cleanest team not getting any cards, then clearly there's no stigma. I don't understand. 
Like, but uh, you know, you just, you just, you can't have it both ways. You know, and I'm sure we'll talk about the state of the league and all that stuff in a second. And I mentioned off there, two things can be true at once. Yes, the league can be in trouble and there can be a lot of issues, but you can also be completely over the top and baseless with a lot of the stuff that you're saying. And I don't know about you, and I think got a lot better with his last press conference post the Newcastle game. Probably helps that he had a short show cause notice that he had to respond to. So obviously he was under the microscope and he couldn't just lose it again. But I feel like in our first he still he still found a way to get his points across. Oh yeah, yeah, but it was a lot more you know reasonable than the first one because it was very one, it was much more passive aggressive. That's for sure. The first one especially completely lost me because in our first one. Absolutely, you make some points about the refereeing, but then you start talking about all these other things that you haven't drawn a line of connection to, and you might say, oh, you journalists, you've covered this thing, you should know what I'm talking about. Um, excuse me, if this is your argument, so I can't be in that head. You tell us what you believe. You're the one with the grievance. You can point it out, because I saw a lot of arguments being stated with not much of a link being drawn. And, and, not, again, much, and not much evidence. And that's oh, the and other thing, too. Again, once again, going back to being a teacher, if my students wrote a paragraph like that, these are all comments I'll be talking about. Where is the link to this paragraph and that paragraph? Where's the evidence? Because I was just li- I got lost. That's what I would Listen. do when I editing y- y- your articles. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a more pertinent example. Yeah, that, but, that's very harsh from someone you've asked to edit articles with you recently. But that's another point. I well, know, I know. Internal FPF process is coming to the public. <laughs> but, um, no, seriously. There is a stigma attached to editing. <laughs> but, but honestly, like this, yeah. I got lost. And I feel like I've got a solid grasp of the language. I've got a solid grasp of the league and the issues. I got lost. So, I don't know. It's I feel like if you're going to have these grievances, you've got to come out and really tell us how you feel. Because for me, what it looked like was, I've got these issues. Also, here is what I think about what's happening in the league. And I'm just going to place a few popular topics that a lot of people will come out and say, oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Mm. But are you? it sounds like you're automatically agreeing with everything when – I don't think most people are. I think a lot of people feel uneasy about some comments, but he's made a lot of other comments that you're like, oh, yeah, makes a good point. And that's how you get a banner saying that you lead by example and things like that. But, yeah, uh, for me, it leaves a lot to be left to be desired, especially as a coach and especially when you see your own chairman coming down and behaving in that way. It shows how why he feels empowered to say that if his own, I guess, boss is either buying into it or is on the same page. You have to, like, you have to ask why all of a sudden Mark Rudin is saying this stuff because you know we've not heard anything about a stigma or anything like that about or, or bias or anything like that, and. What's hilarious about this too is that he comes out and he goes, uh, this was after the, before the Newcastle game. No, after, where, where are we? I'm trying to, yeah, yeah. The, after the MacArthur game. I've got a whole bunch of things here. Uh, you know, I've shut my mouth for a long time is what he said. That's not true when it comes to referees. He talks about referees every week, this guy. It, it's, it's not a joke. It, again, we go back to that press conference we were in, the Unite Round game. Rudin had a 19-minute press conference after they won 1-0 against Melbourne City because he wanted to 
make some points about the refereeing. He was mentioning things from round two, round three, earlier on the season in that press conference. It's like, you know, <laughs> like he's after a win and he's still complaining about things which happened earlier in the season. Like, does he have a notebook where he's scribbling this stuff down and he's like waiting for opportunities to mention it? Like, it's it's just clear. It's just like obvious deflection stuff. It's like classic Mourinho tactics. It, that's like, that's, that's one of the ways I can label it. And someone like Mourinho... Just as an example, because I've seen, I've seen, I think I saw Adam Peacock tweet something where he kind of seems to suggest it was like Mourinho S two, and it's like you look at Jose Mourinho, and and I am a Chelsea fan, so I can speak very pertinently to this. Is that he knew his fan base when he was at Chelsea, for example, and he knows that they respond to that sort of thing. Marco Rudin knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that he has one of the biggest fan bases in the league. And he knows that if he can get them to understand his point of view and really get behind it, it's going to put pressure on the league. And now we're going to get to it in a moment. It's kind of put pressure on the league to put out some statement today about kind of where they're at. So yeah, maybe Marco Rudin's getting somewhere with what he's doing. But, you know, here's what I would say. He said this before the Newcastle game. He said he was asked about whether he retract his comments uh, from after MacArthur. And he said, it's about standing up for what I believe is right. Look, that's great. No one says you can't defend your club. No one says you can't have an opinion. But do you honestly think this is the best way to go about it? And also, these supposed biases from Football Australian stuff, are we honestly saying this can't be handled internally with FA with some serious sit-down and discussions? And and if it hasn't, if that hasn't been pursued by the club, you know, and you're just going to basically go to the media first to call it out in a press conference... Um, then you know we can see right through, you and we can see what you're doing um, outside of Wanderers fans. Clearly, from from what from what's going on at the moment, because like I said, he knows he can pander to his fan base. He knows that they'd be willing to, you know, put the FA, the APL under pressure. Um, and he's in a powerful position. He's in a really powerful position. That's what we've probably learned from these two weeks, and he understands that. Um, but guess what? You're a coach. You're not the judge, jury, and executioner of of the league. Um, I'll, I'll I'll say that because there seems to be this idea or this this kind of vibe from him that he thinks he can kind of I don't know uh, dictate some sort of these issues and we should be doing this and we should be doing this and you know they've got a stigma and all this sort of stuff and it's like at the end of the day you are a coach if you want to work in administration quit coaching get into administration go work in the FA like you know so go go be the head of referees if you're so worked up about it right yeah uh, look, it's also <laughs> you talk about the all these things, and it's fine. I don't mind you calling out the inconsistencies after the game, but I think we can all agree in the past couple of weeks he's crossed the line. You know, you can call it out, no problem, call it out. But once you start making it personal, well, once Paul Letterer start... walking on the pitch is yeah. is a disgrace. That is a yeah, disgrace. Oh. That was disgusting, and, again, I, and I, the... I do not want to see that yeah. when I turn on the TV or the or my laptop, whatever Paramount is on, uh, and watch an A League game. I don't want to see yeah. it. No, it's and again, I mentioned that in our chat. That I don't care what your accreditation says or where you can be. You don't act that way. You know, you've got a responsibility as the face of that as the. I guess the chairman of that football club, not to be acting that way. But okay, as a coach, call out, call the inconsistency out if you feel that that's what, what you must do. No problem. But once you start naming referees, alluding to past issues and histories between you, once you're alluding that the establishment has an out for you, or well, then you better start backing it up because that's obviously what you have to do now. 
My other issue with this is, again, you mentioned about if you want to be in the administration, go there. In his last press conference post Newcastle, he mentioned that, oh, this is like I'm getting a league talked about again. Is that your job? Also, you know, no, but, 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 uh, it, yeah, but A, that's I'm not your sorry. job. And B, is this really how you want to do this? Oh, no, no, it's... He's it, actually, not, you know, there's actually been some stuff... about in a good way. Yeah. You know, and again, oh, you talk about administration. If you want to work, <laughs> if you want to write articles, you know, that's a completely <laughs> other job, you know? They talked about... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marco, we're independent. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, you know, it's... Yeah, that's not your job. Be a coach. You know, you've got two sessions a week where you can put out what you want, pre-game, post-game. Okay, but as a coach, it's your responsibility as well to be the reasonable one. And I feel like that's been completely lost in the past couple of weeks, personally. And I don't know if, like, are you talking as a coach? Or are you talking about someone who wants the league talked about? Because uh, it's all been extremely jumbled up here and you know it shows and again i brought it up before i'll say it again for me it's a football club that needs to have a real look in the mirror especially with the behavior especially of your chairman it's really shameful but again you can see how they feel about it because when Rudan was asked are you challenging this he says of course the club is backing me but when you back him you're backing all that behavior Listen, as well the, there's no accountability in this situation from from the wanderers and and the way things are looking that doesn't look like there's going to be any accountability you know Rudin was asked that was the first question before the newcastle game and he said i stand by everything clearly there's no reflection on on what he's been saying he comes out with certain things and he's like you know, yeah, that's what I think. No worries. Look, that's fine. If you want to back what you say in the heat of the moment all the time, like, okay, but we're going to come on a podcast like this and, and pull it apart. Um, and well, you should be glad we're talking about the league. Yeah, well, which which we do anyway. Um, but, you know, all I was saying, you know, before as well, I stand by everything, this sort of no reflection, no accountability. And other managers are. They actually are taking some accountability. Um, and the other thing as well is particularly after the MacArthur game, Rudin had some quite disrespectful comments I felt actually towards other clubs. Um, he he mentioned, he spoke about, oh, like, you know, Wellington, uh, like he mentioned the other clubs' fan bases. They've got, fan, you know, good fan bases and stuff. Okay, no worries. But then he kind of said, but, you know, if you take our fans away from the league, basically, there's there's nothing there. You don't get any kind of entertainment. Now, obviously, I, the league... No, Christian, Christian, think, Christian, hang on, hang on, no, no, hang on, no, hang on, no. hang on. Let me talk. I think he was... Just one second. I think he was being specific on that night. Yeah. That's... I'm about to address that. I'm about to address yeah. that. So, firstly, obviously, if the Wanderers base was taken away from the league, of course, it would hurt the league. No one is, no one is disagreeing with that. And obviously... Yes, if he's talking about the night specifically, yeah, MacArthur obviously have nothing. But, which I've said here, you know, not totally wrong. But to also suggest that no other teams in the league provide any entertainment is just ludicrous. I mean, look at how many high-scoring games that we've had. Uh, you know, look at, for example, as an example, like Adelaide in the first couple of rounds, the football that they were playing, the Mariners recently. Like, I'm sorry, is that boring, is it? Does that bore you? Look, so I, don't, maybe, I, don't, I don't think he went there, honestly. Maybe, maybe he was just talking about MacArthur, but... Yeah, I think uh, he was specifically My point, Antonis, my point, Antonis, is this. When you talk for basically, you know, six minutes 
and for half of that, you're talking about how great your club is and stuff like that. If I was a fan of another club listening to that, I would start to feel like, so kind of like you think you deserve some sort of special treatment or, or something like that, or it, it, it felt a little bit kind of like we're above the rest. No, um, And maybe he was just talking about MacArthur. Maybe he was. No problem. Okay. That's true. Um, but I just, again, what I'm kind of getting at, it's just unnecessary, which is, which is what yeah. you said. Look, um, I don't, uh, it's not his responsibility to be talking to other clubs. So for me, it doesn't interest me how other fans pick it up, but again, with you and not about that comment, I just think not on that comment, but on multiple comments, he's clearly crossed the line and, you know, it becomes a thing where, when you go out there and say, I'm going to unleash, you know, stuff like that does come out. But again, um, yeah, I think he was talking specifically about that night and about, oh, if our fans aren't there, crowds then I think uh, MacArthur's doing better with crowds. Obviously yeah. not ideal yet. But again, it is disrespectful to them, but I don't think he went in with any thoughts of being respectful to anyone. No, in fair, enough. Press fair conference, enough. And fair it enough. really showed. Fair enough. Um, I guess the point is, still remains that again it's just unnecessary to, to talk about those things i guess um after a after a game um but and the other thing as well is and this kind of comes into the lack of self-reflection is like before the newcastle game in that press conference he's talking about he was talking about basically that you know the referees and stuff and the interaction with referees and he said he cited like the way they they treat you and he, he was kind of talking about the way they treat him and like uh, it's different to other coaches and stuff like that with all due respect like maybe they're treating you let's say maybe more aggressively than other coaches because you're abusing them every 10 minutes like seriously the next Wanderers game I think uh, what is it Um, they've got someone away from it it's a derby isn't it next Wanderers game or the next Wanderers game at at Combank it's the next Wanderers game isn't it Uh, Mariners oh it's Mariners sorry Mariners 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 away um so, honestly, like, put it on and count how many times the camera pans to Rude and abusing the fourth official because it is, it's it is like, out of control. It's just out of control. And it's been like that since, he, since he's been the manager of that club. And every time I have to watch a Wanderers game, I actually really enjoy the players that they have. And when they're playing well, they're actually really good to watch. I mean, look at Lucky Brook yesterday. He was absolutely fantastic, right? But, like, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to watch... Like Rudin abusing a fourth official, I just don't want to watch it anymore. So you know, he just needs to he just needs to calm down, as Rob Stanton was saying yesterday. Because uh, the thing he's is, just the position that yeah, would, say, <laughs> would you say he's being too emotional? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, say, is, he is. being too emotional. What's position that, channel ten are in now. No matter what happens in the game, whether it is something that's going on with Rudin or not, they're mm. going to have one eye on him and one camera on him. Yeah, yeah of course. Wait yeah, that's obviously a broadcasting too. Yep. Yeah, but- and look, it, it gets some metrics. When have Channel 10 never tweeted about a press conference happening live? Yeah. They never have. But yeah. they know it's going to get him clicks because like, oh, what's Rudin going to do next? It's just become a little bit of a circus in that regard. It's a shame because let's just say he went into that press conference against the Mariners put his um, points down in maybe a coherent manner. He could have even done it in a monologue and stormed out. But if he did it in a way that one didn't name drop a referee, two linked all his arguments together and three didn't try and maybe attack. I, I don't, I don't know if it was attacking other clubs, but I guess on the night you say, Oh, if our fans didn't come down. There wasn't much. Yeah. There is an element of, okay. Yeah. You're having a bit of a stab at him. 
you don't take those steps, there's more than just Wanderers fans that are going to come out and go, okay, yeah, he's got a bit of substance, even if he didn't link yeah, everything sure. together. Because mm-hmm. we can all sit here and agree. Look, as much as we love football in this country, as much as we love the A-League, there's things that are happening at the top of the game that aren't exactly good and aren't exactly in the benefit of football in this country. And that in itself is a concern. And people, there's been whispers that there's people behind the scenes or people within football clubs that are not happy with how things are going at the moment. There's a good to fair chance it's just frustration boiling over. That, you know, you mentioned emotion there, Antonis. That MacArthur game was probably just an emotional boil over. As much as there was would have been a calculation, he's gone in there going, fuck this, I'm going to say my piece. It comes from the fact that he's just come off a very emotional mm-hmm. game. There's a reason why that press conference midweek, as much as there was things there that he said again that probably shouldn't have said, there's a reason why it was a lot more coherent. And there's probably a reason why it went for 23 mm-hmm. minutes as well, besides the fact that he actually decided to answer the questions of the journos in the room. <laughs> you get to the Jets on Sunday. Once again, you've come off an emotional end to a game. Of course, you're going to let things kind of exasperate in a way, for lack of a better term, I guess. But there's when you take into those factors, I'm not going to say I can see his argument because I don't like the things that he's done and I don't really want to go and side with him. But there are things that may... Look, there are things that didn't need to be addressed, but the problem is when you do it in the manner that you're doing it, that's where the backlash is going to come from. And I think even people, a lot of people that disagree with him, you two being examples of this... There's people that aren't happy with how Rudin's acting, but can still go, okay, I can see a point here and there. No, you know, no, which, which we're saying. No, 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 hang on. No, 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 no. no. Okay. I, I, Christian, I didn't need yeah. you to yell. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to help you. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. You keep going. <laughs> trying, My bad. I was trying to back you up here, man. But that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that you're, you guys are sitting here and you're kind of needing to get into the nitty gritty of it before you can coherently lay those points out and go, okay, when you put it this way, that's all right. That's where the issue comes in. You talk about where he first went into that midway press conference and when I'm not going to retract anything I say. He's in a position now where Wanderers fans are happy with what he's doing. If he goes and shows any sort of remorse or any sort of backing away from the situation, that's when your own fans turn on you and go, okay, what are you doing here? Yeah, it might win the respect of a lot of people around football in this country, but he says it himself. He's got to look after his own fans first and foremost. And believe it or not, Wanderers fans want someone that's going to come and defend your club. You talk about the stigma against the Wanderers. There's, I'm going to preface this before I go on with my argument. There's no stigma within football in this country against the Wanderers. Like you guys said before, people want the Wanderers to succeed. A healthy Wanderers is only a benefit to this competition. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't comment. I can't comment on stigma stuff because I'm not in Western Sydney. I cannot. It's not. Cannot it's not. A, it's not a stigma in Western Sydney. But I think if you look at, he's obviously referencing the whole Rebecca Wilson thing in 2015, 2016. Same there's, like it, yeah. there's things that came out in that period that in the general public and it's not within football it's just within general society they look at the wanderers in a certain aspect i've had comments from people at my work going to me saying oh you go to wonders games all the time are you sure it's safe there's in that regard there's people that still have this negative perception of the wonders and it's exasperated as i said before when or not as i said before i just use that word before it gets exasperated when they are doing well. So he's probably in his mind thinking, oh, shit, we're doing well. Media's going to come down on us because our fans are going to start rising up again. There was an article in the Sydney Dar- first Sydney Derby in 2022-23 season. Wanderers had a really good showing. Channel 9 came out straight away and tried to drag him down. The Yankee in winner? In that regard, the, Yan- the one that Yankees yeah. saw the winner. Yeah, I remember. 
there's instances in that regard where in general society there is a little bit of a stigma well not even a little bit of stigma there's a genuine stigma against the mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, and a hundred percent you can sit there and agree i'm sure you guys even see it in adelaide yeah, yeah. I don't know if his argument is trying to say the FA are scared of that stigma growing, so that's why we're getting all these wrong decisions because they're trying to drag us down. I don't buy that for a second. I think it's just purely been – it comes down to luck. They've just been unlucky with certain decisions, and every club's been right. unlucky with certain decisions. I'm going to say one more point piece yeah. before I get back to you, Christian, because yeah. I don't know if you're happy with I me. No, 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 no. No, listen, <laughs> no, no. You, no. You're more, you're well within your right to. No, to everything you've opinion. said and, is absolutely and, on spot and on, If anyone disagrees with me who's listening, yeah. you're more within, well within your right to comment below and whatever. And I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. We need debate. We need more healthy debate. That's one thing I would, <laughs> I guess, give Rude and some, some compliment towards <laughs> is that at least he started <laughs> some debates. So, and yeah. You know what? And unlike Mark and Rudin, we are here to get the league more talked about. So, <laughs> this is what we're actually trying to do. So, feel free. Um, Cody? The, Cody. La- the last part is the culture of the fans of Western Sydney. In more, in more narrow terms, the RBB. You talk about the stigma that's been up against the Wanderers. They've had to deal with that for the last five or six years. It's almost what killed that group off. They've come back in the last couple of years because they've had a club support them. Now in instances where maybe in an on-field instance, they feel aggrieved, they've got a manager coming out and supporting them. I'm not going to say it's right or wrong, but I can see where Wanderers fans are sitting there going, okay, our coach is coming out and supporting us. Let's rally around him and show that we're going to support him. Suddenly the lines are blurred about, okay, even though you're agreeing with maybe 50 to 60% of what he's doing, you coming out and supporting him the way you're doing, does it? justify the other 40% that probably shouldn't be agreed with. That's where maybe an ethical line's got to come into it. But just from purely from a cultural point of view, West Sydney fans, they're proud, they're happy to represent the area. You know, people talk about the class deficit to an extent. It's true. I guess there's, there's, there is a bit of an argument where, okay, yeah, there's areas of Western Sydney that are very wealthy. There's also very, areas of Sydney that are very unwealthy. There's I'm probably one of the only people outside of the West Sydney Football Club that do kind of agree with his sense of, okay, yeah, there is this bit of a divide with East and West. But that's just a track back to my original point. Sorry, I don't actually know exactly where I was going with that tangent there. But um, Marco's in the room again. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. It's probably something that he does as well. You know, he has ideas that's coming in his head. He wants to get them out. Sometimes they don't come out in in the most coherent way, but there are sometimes points to what he's trying to say. The culture of that club, though, I'm not going to say it's a negative culture or a positive culture because at the end of the day, they're proud people. They're people that want to support their club and they're people that want to be bullish in their support of their club. You're talking about it's a lot of, let's just say, European-influenced people or Middle Eastern-influenced people. Mm-hmm. And Tony, so you can talk to the culture around the around those countries as well. They're very bullish in how they support the club. They're very vocal in how they support the club. Mm-hmm. And when they feel aggrieved, they want people within the club to come and support them. Wanderers haven't had that in a long time. The fact that they're coming out and supporting their coach now, it's, just, it's an instance of all of that. The issue then comes with, you've had Paul Lederer support the Wanderers, or support Marco Rudin and what he's done. You've seen how it's affected him, where he thinks he has the right to go down into a field and, and have words with the referee. I don't know I said this before. I don't know how that affects the fans, if they think that's going to be all right with how they go and interact with the referees, if, whether it be from the stands or whether it be something worse festering, as we saw in the Melbourne Derby last year. But there does come a line that needs to be drawn where it's like, okay, I understand that what Rudin's doing. I understand that he's doing this in support of our club and I can respect him for it, but we can't 
be crossing a line as a football club. That's where maybe not it's not the fans' responsibility. Yeah, the fans exactly. have the right to think exactly. exactly what they think, but it probably has to be where the club comes in. And under this is what you said before, Christian, I'm coming full circle a little bit. Yeah. It's where the club's got to sit there and go, back this club up 100%. But don't do anything that's going to get your show called. Listen, all, all he had to do, all he had to do after the MacArthur game was, you know, cop the fine if you have to. That's fine, whatever. No one's got. We are we are never going to on this podcast. If a coach has a goal at a referee for a few decisions, come on and oh, like you've got no right to have a goal. There, like I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, like a referee defender. Okay, I, I'm, in fact, I'm. Pretty sure. Didn't we on a podcast last season, Cody, have a goal with Sean Evans for like some ridiculous? I, I, I question whether Sean Evans. I'm pretty sure I said the words of it shouldn't be a conversation about whether he sits out a week. It should be a conversation about. <laughs> That's right. No, no, I remember. He sits yeah, out for. I remember. And, you know, so- talk about inconsistency of the referees. One hundred percent. There's been inconsistency of the referees before. Definitely. I just don't like when individual referees are called out in the manner that they are. Mm-hmm. I've got respect for Sean Evans as a person. I I have no idea what he's like as a person. He could be the most fantastic bloke and someone that you could go out and have a beer with and have a good time with. Fantastic. There, the game that we we're talking about, it was a Sydney Wellington game. I do remember specifically there was some penalty drama towards the end of it. Oh yeah, I remember. There were things that got wrong in that game, and it was a build-up of mistakes. And there were, was probably a question of, okay, how long can we continue accepting this standard of refereeing? Mind you, if Sean Evans came out and dropped a refereeing masterclass the next week. I would one hundred percent retract what I said. But 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 this is the thing, you, right? You don't you don't do it in a disrespectful manner. No, but so a couple of things on that. So, first of all, the fact that you just went on for five minutes about basically the stigma and stuff like that, that is exactly what Marco Rudin wants to do. Like, that that's kind of, that's what I'm getting at. Now, no, like, but that's what I'm getting at, right? Is that he wants everyone to start talking about this and to not talk about, you know, like, basically his team's performances um, because they've, they've not been up to standard in the last couple of weeks. Now, like, <laughs> that, that's fine if people... People are just not seeing things the way you are because at the end of the day, what Cody said, you're right, is teams are always going to get hard done by with decisions every week. It's just the nature of football at any level, any level, right? Um, it's it's just what happens. So, um, you know, like I'll give you an example. Like in the Premier League this season, didn't um, like there's Ange as well, Spurs. I think they beat Liverpool 2-1 earlier this season. Liverpool had a goal ruled out because... Uh, VAR wasn't actually working with the technology. And then a few weeks later, Spurs had two players sent off against Chelsea and lost to Chelsea. So like it kind of evened out like that. And, and co- you know, a lot of coaches say that's a cliche, but it's true. Like if you went through every game at the end of the season, I'm sure every team would have grievances. Every team would have lucky decisions, all that sort of stuff. Now I want to touch on something that you said there where you said, you know, like where you kind of said, like if 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 referee does a good job, you know I'm going to kind of um come out and say that. Now Rudin before the Newcastle game actually did say when referees do a good job, I'm I do come out and say that. Uh, I'm sorry, but I would honestly love to be sent the video of of when you know Rudin's ever praised a referee because I I've never seen or heard it. Um, but also yesterday he said like he was talking about players, administrators, coaches, referees, and he said you have to take the good with the bad, uh, the good and the bad. Sorry. Absolutely. Um, but the bad for a referee should never be this bad. Never. Never should they be subjected to abuse and a chairman walking onto the pitch, for example. Um, 
like full letter, full letters walking on and he is abusing the referees like you can see it no I, I i haven't gone back and maybe you know worked out the lip lip reading of what he's actually saying but that was just completely out of order um totally out of order um and just one thing just another thing before i throw over to, throw over to uh, antonis probably to conclude this discussion we've been going on for a while is Rudin's reasoning at the actual refereeing itself like let's just talk about that for a second and his reasoning behind you know what he actually saw with some of these decisions so the after the MacArthur game it seemed like he was complaining about the lack of use of VAR so um the lack of going to the monitor to check that Jermaine kicked out or the lack of camera angles to check if the ball actually went over the line for example right okay yesterday he was asked about the Russell penalty and he says, well, the referee saw it live and he waved the play on. Right. Okay. So after the MacArthur game, it's okay to bemoan the lack of VAR use. But now when it's been, now you're annoyed that it hasn't been used to overrule the referee. Um, Sorry. Annoyed that it has been used, my bad, to, to overrule the referee. So like you have to make up your mind, right? Like do you, are you, are you pro VAR and you want it to be used or are you anti VAR and you want the referee's decision to stand? Um, like, because Hendrix is red, for example, yesterday, like, thank God VAR was used for that. Cause that was a clear red, right? VAR correct use. So he's contradicting himself in the, in that respect. Um, so like, and he's talking about how, you know, VAR will always change the angles, this sort of stuff, you know, I've gone on about this. Okay. Whatever. But if that's the case last week, VAR would have, you know, changed the angles or whatever to to benefit you because it would have given Jaman a red card. But this week you're complaining because VAR has changed the angles or something to your disadvantage. So again, make up your mind. Are you pro pro VAR, anti VAR? A lot of contradicting going on. Um, so yeah, I just when you you sift through it and there's a lot of there's a lot of whinging, there's a lot of moaning. Um, some of it. You know, we, we, we said, you know, the, the, in isolation, some of the stuff he says, no problem, but the timing of it, um, and the lack of cohesion, it just, it just, just seems just a, a whole bunch of rabble, rabble, uh, um, to, to be honest with you, uh, Antonis. Yeah, I'm not going to go and start talking about these decisions again because I'm actually really tired of looking at really, specific incidents like that. I'm just going to wrap up about this whole, his comments, because I 100% agree with Cody. There is a divide. Let's not hide. There is a divide. And Sydney is not the only place in the world the divide exists. You know, I'm born and raised in Athens. I have three major clubs in Athens. One's from the port, working class. One's in the middle of Athens. It's a bit more affluent. The other one has been made by um, refugees, they escaped um, Asia Minor during the genocide there. Three very different clubs, very distinctly different. The argument, though, is never, oh, we got screwed by the referee because of our background. No, there's other stuff like corruption in Greek League and all that lovely stuff <laughs> that we talk about. But it's never about your background. You know, it transcends that. And I agree with him. There is a background. There is a stigma against Western Sydney and how people are seen there socially. When it comes to football, though, I am sure, I am very confident, never has Nathan McGill pulled Adam Kernsey or Sean Evans and said, oh, 
guys, remember that Rebecca Wilson article? That was a bit ugly, wasn't it? Can we like just make sure we tone them down a little bit so that they get it? That doesn't happen. And, and what I'm saying is pointing to that is yeah, that's a that's serious accusation, though, if you're going to bring that up. Yeah, but honestly, look, you can be 100% right about the divine. And Margarita loves talking about the divine. It's a constant thing, especially around Derby time. Okay? No worries. But if you're going to start and say decisions are being made against you because of that divide, well, spell it out for us, Margo, because obviously, Cody, you drew a line to that Rebecca Wilson, that Channel 9 stuff as well. Don't make us guess. You're the coach. You tell us exactly what you thought. I want. I don't want to dig into it. You can tell us what you believe. I don't want to put words in the coach's mouth, but one and one equals two, and that's what it looks like. So that's my concern about it, that you are saying, oh, because of this, we need to be, be careful about the one which I doubt it happens. I actually know it doesn't happen. There's no chance in a professional organization with stands and ethics, as we can talk about how it's run, that does not happen. A club is not being held back because of a divide. Now, I just want to finish it off about those Channel 10 and Paramount cameras being on him. Duh, obviously. You know, they want views. They want social hits. You, as a coach, are personally inviting those on you, though. You know, we don't see Rob Stanton. Oh, he didn't complain about it. I'm complaining about it. But yeah, we don't see Rob Stanton <laughs> on camera every five minutes. We don't see Chiefy on camera every five minutes. It feels like we see Chiefy at the start of the game to see what he's wearing, and then we see him in the <laughs> presser after the game. You know, who are the coaches that get camera time? Maybe someone that gets angry like Harvid. Margot Rudan gets a hell of a lot of it. I feel he invites it on him. And I'm going to go now and circle back because, look, I connect my arguments. That's what I like to do. I'm going to go back to the beginning and talk about that stigma and say, I don't think there's a stigma there. Football-wise, I actually think people, as I said, people do want the Wanderers to do well. But when? Not just you as a coach. As an organization from the top with Paul Ledger, when you act that way for two consecutive weeks, and as Cody mentioned very correctly, that yes, in the heat of the moment, he didn't make a comment. He had a chance to backtrack for whatever reason he's gone. I'm not going to go into the reasons. He decided to double down. Fantastic. That's a choice you have to live with. When you make those choices, you place that stigma on the club. And this is for me what we're seeing now because I didn't think there was a target on your back before. I think there's a target now. And referees are going to continue being impartial because that's their job. They might get things wrong like you get things wrong. You might start the wrong midfielder. You might make the wrong move. No problem. The referee may miss something as well. No one is perfect, but there's a line and you've crossed the last couple of weeks. And I'd like to never, ever talk about a referee versus the establishment again, uh, sorry, a coach versus the establishment again for an hour because, yes, we want to talk about a league, but not like this. We just had a round that was mad and we are talking about this and I feel it's such a shame. Yeah, and like Rudin said yesterday, just last thing about, you know, He had this comment where he said, you know, you can do things and say things as long as it's in the parameters of whatever they think is fair to say. Obviously, he was talking about Football Australia. And it's kind of like, yeah, that's right. That That's that's why we have rules, regulations, ethics, code of conduct. Like, thanks for the factual piece of information. Like, you know, that's why 
we try to avoid chairmans running onto the pitch uh, and abusing referees. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, I've had enough of this. Let's let's talk about something else, uh, which is kind of a little bit linked to this. Um, the APL's released a statement today, um, which is kind of I guess an update on if if you want to call it that, <laughs> um, on on how things are I guess going in in the A-League's uh, side of things, off-field mainly too. Um, probably the funniest thing about this statement, the first line, um, there is a lot that has been said about the A-League's over the last couple of weeks. Um, you could probably just rephrase that to there is a lot that has been said by Marco Rudin about the A-League's over the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know... I like wish it, it was just that. <laughs> it, it, it did seem like a kind of direct response to Rudin's comments, particularly... Um, uh, Christian, I don't think... No. I think that's more about the whole what's happening off the back no? of the layoffs. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it was planned anyway, but it did like the timing of it. Yeah, yeah, is. yeah. But I think it's been coming for a while because they got criticized for just shutting up shop after oh. the whole thing went down. So that's definitely for me in my eyes because it starts talking about keep up straight away, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just digging deeper into that. So there's a few things there. You to, know, be fair, to be fair, Antonis, that was another thing that Marco Rudin did have a go Oh, yeah, but what day. didn't he talk about? <laughs> yeah, like, the timing is really, it's really questionable. That's all I would say. Um, but, you know, like, uh, I, I, yeah, well, maybe they had this kind of in drafting anyway. Um, and then, and then you know, Rudin's, it's just bad timing. Um, but, you know, so... This is just, it's a very vague statement. Um, so, you know, we've now seen three years of consecutive growth turning around seven years of decline. It's not mentioned what exactly that growth is in, uh, what decline that is as well. Um, and, you know, whilst we've had good growth across our core metrics, we acknowledge more needs to be done to get the leagues where we want them to be. Yep. And sustainable A-League's growth will be the focus of our team. So, that's all good, but I have to ask again: What core metrics are are being referred to here uh, in in that statement? Um, and the other thing as well. So you know the positives from the statement because there were a couple. You know, um, new digital strategy will focus on growing, and converting um, our core fan base through A League's website. So good um, because we've spoken about this probably a lot off air, where the keep up was great. Um, I felt in terms of content and I didn't totally disagree with the strategy, but I do feel like you have to kind of make sure your backyard is sorted out first in terms of, you know, the rusted on fans should need to know what's going on, need to get the best coverage um, before we think about, I feel, you know, attracting, attracting, I guess, Euro snobs, uh, which, which I guess was kind of the keep up strategy. Um, And, you know, uh, 10% increase in A-League crowds, uh, from last season, that's good. Uh, free-to-air viewership is up, that's good. Um, and I would say this, when people are reading these statements and stuff, I do think there's a little bit of an issue where too many people are kind of compare, still comparing what the league is now to what it was maybe 10 years ago. Um, and I just think it's we're literally at a point at the moment where it's just unrealistic to expect those sort of metrics, those expectations. So I look at that and I think, okay, 10% increase in crowds on last year. All right, what's well, the starting point? You know, take take the win, right? Uh, whereas some people go, oh, but it's still, you know, like so far below what it was in 2016. It's like, yeah, okay. But 
you know, things are different at the moment, right? Um, and look, whether you want to blame that on the APL, COVID, FA, whoever, you know, I'm going to leave that up to you. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, um, just think probably we just got to, you know, be a bit more aware of probably where things are at at the moment. It, it's it's going to be a while yet, I feel, if, if the A-League is ever going to return to maybe those those glory days of, you know, 2014, 15, 16, you know, that sort of range there. Um, and the other thing as well is, like, in terms of... And look, Cody's, Cody's here. Cody's our dub expert. When, when we talk about, you know, A-League women memberships, audiences, things like that, like... It's all good for the league to, I guess, take credit for it. It's their league. There's crowds and stuff like that. But, I mean, Cody, like, let's be honest. The the fundamental reason why membership was is through the roof this season and crowds have, have been better than ever is because of Matildas. It's not really something that's... Yeah, the A-League, I'm, I'm sure, have helped it a little bit, but it's not something which is primarily they're doing. Look, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't feel like it's that way anyway. It's, look, it may not be necessarily an APL thing, but that was part and parcel of trying to get a World Cup in our backyard, that it would get people interested in the A-League women's and domestic football in this country. So, look, there may not have been a strategy. This isn't the result of, say, an APL strategy that they've tried to implement in the last year or two, but it was always in the back of the mind, of whether it be at the APL or the FA, that we would have this flow-on effect. So, look... I don't know if you can necessarily take credit for it, but it's not like they've lucked out the whole reason. It, it was the whole reason why we were trying to hold a World Cup in the first place, that we would have this effect coming up afterwards. So, yeah, I don't think it's something you can... Yeah, but the ACL wasn't, wasn't around when... You, you when, can't necessarily uh... credit them, but I don't think you can say, oh, they've done nothing for this. They've had to go and promote themselves in the middle of the World Cup to make sure people knew where to get tickets. I don't think they've even done that to the best of their ability or what they could have. But there was they did definitely put out a digital marketing strategy during the World Cup to make sure people were aware of, hey, after the World Cup, this is the next bit of women's football that's going to happen. Get around it. I actually think, what's ironic about this, I actually think out of everything, maybe the APL did, K-pop probably did the best job during the World Cup of like trying to mm. maybe capitalize on that. Yeah, I mean, the stories and stuff and the coverage. Right, I had a question for you, Christian. Yeah. Let's just say instead of shutting down, keep up and just culling yeah. those people out of their business. I know not everyone that got um, laid off was within the keep up network, but there was a large majority of it from what I believe. Would they have been better off trying to sell it off? And that way it still exists if anyone was interested in investing in it. You're not going to get 30 million for it, of course, but if it keeps people in jobs, if it keeps content like that, that what they were trying to produce coming out. I just, I don't know. I don't, you know, and speaking as someone who's who's running an independent platform, I don't feel like there's an appetite out there from people who are not like in the league to to invest in invest in football coverage to that extent. You know, um, I guess. Yeah, like which is a shame, a obviously. One. Yeah, Look, we can talk about the issues with independent media and trying to actually, I guess, make a profit from it in a sense. But just in general, like you've spoken about it yourself with me, the independent media scene in this country does lack a little bit where I'm not going to say we're the only people that do it, but there's maybe us and two, three, max four other organizations that do. So there's a lot more that needs to be built up in that regard. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Antonis, any thoughts on this statement today? 
uh, just close for me, like, again, like a deflection tactic. We just talked about deflection for it now. <laughs> but honestly, Defle- a deflection podcast, anyway. It's basically, yep, we've really had a PR disaster in the past couple of weeks. And I don't know what our obsession is with dropping awful news after big events. But, you know, you have this unite round the next day. You say, oh, by the way, we are eliminating half our workforce. Um, uh, again, it was a PR disaster. A lot of people are at the job, but you're trying to say, oh, look, we're doing well and we're building towards something. That's fantastic. But again, the governing bodies of football in our league have not earned any benefit of any doubt. So excuse me if I just wait and believe it when I see it. And again, um, Stephen Conroy is out saying this. I don't know why the independent chair of the A-League should be out making these statements and not the people that run it. I mean, Nick, Nick, Nick Garcia should be making that statement. Exactly. So yeah. I don't know. I felt I feel like someone like Stephen Conroy should be someone that we don't hear about. Yeah, get out like, of your house in Manly. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, no, like I feel like, uh, I'm sorry, Stephen Conroy should be someone that just keeps him to account inside and really we shouldn't be hearing okay we got introduced to him but unless there's like anything majorly huge we shouldn't really be hearing or seeing him in public his whole thing is just making sure there's an independent in there to keep things running like most organizations i guess the i guess devil's advocate you would say that a lot of people you know i've seen some commentary out there like oh what's this stephen conroy guy doing you know yeah, we never stephen see Conroy's him sort of you or me I know. That's the thing. That's what and I think people you don't know, really understand his role. Like he's in an independent chair. Like he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but maybe they felt, listen, maybe just, just get him to put his name on something, get yeah, him out there so people aren't, you know, whatever. That's fair. But for me, if you're leading this organization, it should be you. So again, good to hear from him, but I'd like to have someone, again, someone that is out there and can put the name to stuff without kind of, and again, I'm not putting it down on Conroy, but disappearing because I doubt we'll hear from him anytime soon again, because that's what his role. So I'd like to see someone that when, especially, especially with the media coverage, you can point it and say, he said this, he said that, because now we've got quotes from Stephen Conroy and when's the next time we're going to get quotes from Stephen Conroy. So again, I would just like the APL to think about how they deliver that information because communication has sunk historically for football in this country so it has to be a priority how you communicate things yeah um okay any anything else cody to add on this i think look it's not necessarily on the letter itself but i guess everything between the letter what happened with rude and garcia kind of firing back the biggest thing we're seeing right now at a time where football in this country should probably be unifying a little bit considering we're what, just over 12 months away from the NSD coming in. You want to hope football in this country is actually slowly starting to unify. But I think what we're seeing instead is people kind of having their own vested interests and own opinions on how 100%. things should run. And look, it's only to the detriment of the game. I want people, and I'm not saying that people at the top aren't doing this, but I want people at the top whose primary purpose is one, to make football better in this country and to, and two, to unify the fractured elements of this game because... And look, it comes from the fact that I've only just started reading The Death and Life of Australian Soccer and these things are a little bit fresh in my head. But (laughs) since the 1940s, this country has never been able to agree on how football should be portrayed or run. And it does come from the fact that 
as an Australian society, we are very fractured in how we do things. We've got people everywhere on a scale from the far left to the far right. Unfortunately, that's where we are as a country. We're never going to be able to agree on something. But when it comes to football, you've really got to make sure you get these little things right. Nick, I say after all those comments had the opportunity to just come out. And even if you didn't come out, I probably wouldn't have cared. But if he was going to come out, to just try and go maybe calm the tone a little bit and go, it's all right. We're just going to move on with this. We're going to work either with the Wanderers or we're going to work internally to make sure maybe the refereeing is of a bit of a standard, I guess you can call into question. There are inconsistencies. We said it before. The fact that he uses platform to kind of fire back, I personally, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like that. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't speak also, to, you know, the league yeah. being a great state in mm-hmm. terms of clubs and the league, yeah. you know, getting on. Yeah. I agree, but also with the refereeing, it's not kind of his domain. Yeah, it's not his domain. Talks, and again, I'm going to go back to your point because being you, you can't unite when you've got when your football has two heads. You know, oh, this is an FA thing, and the FA says, oh no, this is an APL thing, and the APL thing's an FA thing. So, and it seems longer, like people involved in the game in in prominent positions oh, exactly, don't fully it's understand very easy. that. It's very easy to say, oh, it's it comes under their domain. It's very easy to handball. And the way we run right now, it's to the complete detriment of everything Cody is talking about. Because, yes, we can be united, but it's not my job. That's his. And that's not my job. That's his. How can people work together when basically football went through a divorce? <laughs> let's not, uh, let's call it what it is. And we're still dealing with it. And especially when one side, since that divorce has done its best to shoot itself in the leg with every given opportunity, how can you unite, you know? So it's a really bad spot to be in and I'm not enjoying it. Look, <laughs> Christian, you. you opened this whole thing about people talking about the glory days of 2014 to 2016 when active support was at its best. The, fo- uh, the quality of football was really, really good and we were producing good players, I guess, to a certain extent. I think that was just after when Tom Rogic was able to go overseas without Aaron Moy in the league. Yeah. Good, high-quality players that became very, very good players in a soccer side that went on to win the Asian Cup in that period too. I can, I know you guys, you would have been young and in terms of you probably only just moved to the country, I think, at that stage as well. I can't when remember you? exactly. Sorry? When was that? Uh, I'm talking 2014 and 2016. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I was very into the league, but then I was about four years in. Yeah. Four years in. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I, I, what I'm trying to say is thinking back then, I'm not sure if you'd be able to recollect it correctly, but was there a genuine strategy from the league going, these are the things that we're implementing that's going to co- create these changes? No. no it was, it was no. Well, two it, things. It, it, was, feels, it feels like at that point, the league kind of stumbled into a team to a gold mine. And we're not quite sure what to do with it. No, that's, that's what I mean. It yeah. was pure dumb luck that the league yeah. was able to take but advantage the of the things that was happening. whole thing went down with active support. It was like the first domino. Yeah, I mean, and that's look, what it felt like. The, the, one of the biggest reasons why football is struggling in this country is because of negative perceptions that the media consistently try to, try to display. We're not under a corporation that is run with um, Murdoch Media. Murdoch Media will do whatever they can to go, okay, we need to make sure people aren't paying attention to football and are paying attention to this. It may sound exasperated or anything like that. The reality is when people say that they're not a conspiracy theorist, it's actually kind of true what's going on with football in this country. There's Oh, I only have to see the World Cup and the stories that were coming out during the Women's World Cup. Yeah, I know. But guys, look, I'd say this. So I obviously don't disagree with any of this, but 
can we can we can we look at our backyard first before we talk about any of this, right? Like because there's but, like but, even yeah. even wait 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 wait. I don't I do, I do not want to talk about this guy any more than this last line. But we <laughs> didn't mention something he was talking about, like any was talking about other codes and stuff so honestly i'm kind of getting the point i don't want to hear about other codes seriously like i like can we just we need got, to focus I've, i don't on care about other codes either i don't care about other codes either i'm talking about purely from a media point of view there's people that are always going to drag football down this country 100 we need to get our own backyard first focus on your own backyard when we did everything else seemed to sort itself out mm-hmm. the wanderers came in they needed mm-hmm. a club in a new area mm-hmm. and that club was able to grow organically and build a culture that was actually a positive to introduce mm-hmm. to the league. Definitely. If you focus on getting your football metrics down first, focus on implementing strategies that just focus that help the quality of football, that help clubs that one hold clubs to account on what they're doing and ensure that clubs are also developing players that are able to either be increase the quality of the league or move on to other leagues and bring in money for the competition. Once that becomes your key metric and focusing on the football that's on the pitch, everything else sorts itself out. I don't care if the AFL gets 90,000 people to a game. I really do not give we a fuck. We don't need that. We don't need we, that. And we don't, exactly. We don't need that. I don't want, we shouldn't be judging success in football in this country as a, by comparing what we're doing compared to other codes. Yeah, I know. And as I think, I think the three of us here understand that, but I don't think a lot of football fans out there understand well, that. Well, isn't that our job in the media to try and help fans understand that? The reality is if the league is producing players- that can, can be, you create, get abused, but anyway. <laughs> well, let's get abused then. I don't give I don't give a fuck if people disagree with well, me at yeah, this point. I'm, I'm definitely steadfast in it. As long as this league is producing players that can bring in maybe 10 to 15 million in transfer fees to the country every year, that go on and become really good Socceroos and we and the Socceroos are in a position where they can then go on and challenge Asian Cups and win trophies and go as far in the World Cups as they can. If they're doing that, you could be getting 5,000 people to a game and I wouldn't give a fuck. Because the reality is, and it's honest, you talk about this all the time, it's about knowing your place in the food chain. If we can harness investment in that regard, we're going to be healthy as a country no matter what's happening off the field. And the reality is, you get those on-field things right, it helps the off-field. So focus on that, focus on the football in this country. The last time we did that, the last time we weren't worried about how we're going to get people through the gates and get bums on seats, and we focused on, all right, how are we are going to put out a coherent competition? We were actually thriving, we we're doing well. It was when we started thinking about the business things that it became too complicated. Well, you know, let again, you can I focus on the football, let fans focus on being fans. That's the other thing, because way too many times, the league has interfered, people have interfered with it, and it's become all these different things. Our point of difference is the fans. You know, you've got to let people enjoy it. Unfortunately, you have hamstrung a generation. You know, there's no two ways about it. So you're going to get another chance really soon in the coming years for people to come and enjoy this football and keep coming back. You need to encourage that. You need to let people support the club how they want to support their clubs. You know, as you can say, you can focus on the football, have a league that's enjoyable, have a league that's sustainable. Because currently, in the past few years, it hasn't been sustainable. And the biggest detriment to that for me, and I'm sorry, it's been our top clubs. Because none of our top clubs have operated in a way that is sustainable long term. And that's something that has to be learned. Clubs have to look at themselves in the mirror and realize, how do we survive here long term and act accordingly? And when that happens, we'll see it happen. And I don't want them to try it out for a year and say, oh, this is shit. 
we're going to move on to something different. This is a long-term strategy, and Stephen Walks mentioned this a few times. Japan's got 50-year plans. You know, we don't have five-minute plans. You know, what's what's our way forward here? <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, but... You're laughing, but am I lying? Yeah. You know, a coach can come in and make comments and it deviates from everything you're doing because you've got another spot. Five well, but this out. is the thing, right? Just last so thing on one this. One second, Christian. One second. Yeah. Surely we are bigger than this. Surely you have a point that you want to get to and you are working there to get to that point. Regardless of anything else, you need to transcend that. And to do that, you need to be on the same page. We're not, in the, we're not even the same book, let alone the same page. It's true. Sometimes. And- and just last thing from me on this is this speaks to the separation of powers thing with FA and APL, right? Because it seems like James Johnson, the APL, they do have plans. They do have long-term plans. We hear about them a lot, like, you know, things like Legacy 23, for example, the Women's World Cup. And sometimes those plans change, like the NSD, for example, you know, being changed, pushed to 2025, for example. Um, and that's okay. At least there was a plan to begin with. And at least there's some kind of clear... You know, yeah, we are going to do this, whatever. The APL, there doesn't seem to be any sort of plan like that that we're hearing. But there's a thing where you've just got this one organization who seems on a commercial side, seems to be, you know, doing better than ever with Football Australia because mm-hmm. we see the Women's World Cup and signing 10-year deals with Nike and all this sort of stuff. So that's great. And they seem to have some plans in place which are going to help long term. And then we've got this other organization which is just in an absolute state of chaos, right? Um, so... There's no way, like one needs the other. Like that, that that's how yeah. I see it, right? That they, they both have to be, they both have to be healthy and 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 doing well. And if if one isn't, the other's going to suffer. Um, and well, not not the other's going to suffer. The game's going to suffer. Um, mm-hmm. so and and that's what we're seeing. Just quickly yeah, with yep. that point, separation of power. I will go back to teacher mode in government. It happens so one side doesn't get too much power. And- it all balances. It doesn't happen because I don't like them and they don't like me. And we are going to say, no, it's his job. No, it's her job. That's not the concept of it. And that's what we are. We are not there to support each other to make sure each side runs well. We are there to say, yep, you do you, I do me. And as Cody said before, you help each other out. The Women's World Cup, getting the Women's World Cup helped get these people to the football. The, the A-League doing well helps. Football Australia, with soccer, with materials, things like that. You need each other. Act like it. Yep. Can't say I disagree. All right. Um, we have spoken for like an hour and 20 minutes solely about off-field stuff. We're going to wrap up very shortly. So I'm going to very briefly, I guess, go through some things that stood out from me from round 15 uh, or round 16. Round 16. Kaylee grounds. Of, yeah, the round, round, round peak, peak. Peak round, peak round um, <laughs> in the in the A League event. So, first one was Adelaide, um, Adelaide's performance against Perth, uh, and I wasn't able to watch it live, but watching the extended highlights back, and um, also just which me and Antonis, I think, noticing Carl Vitt's kind of the comments that he's now dropping in press conferences um, after games, and certain little digs that he's having. Um, some interesting comments about Nesta, um, which I thought were a little bit... I mean, I don't think Nesta's had a 
uh, underwhelming season on the whole. I mean, let's not forget like the first six, seven games where he was he was excellent, for example. Um, but, you know, I do agree that maybe it, it's definitely not been in recent weeks. He's definitely not been up to, you know, what we expect of him. But I mean, <laughs> what we expect of him is is still unbelievable for, for an 18-year-old. Um, and it just felt like he kind of threw him under the bus a little bit uh, and, and kind of singled out one player when really Adelaide's issues are, are a lot deeper than that. Um, as I'm sure in Titus, you might speak about in a second. Um, the other thing was, so Western United, um, I watched the second half, uh, Wellington, uh, West United, a little bit of the first as well. Um, and it, basically Wellington were, yeah, kind of in total control of that game. Western had their moments, but John Alisi after the game, you know, he, for, for a guy who like, He's seemingly very content with how things are going. Um, and it's kind of like your bottom, you kind of don't look like you're any any sort of win or form is kind of anywhere. Um, and I mean, okay, then like you're content. And it seems very kind of like, oh, well, you know, well, the stadium's coming in, you know, um, we, we couldn't sign any players in January because of the club situation. That's okay. I'm like, okay. Like, cool. Like, all right. If you want to, if you want to be content with it, that that's fine. But I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how much longer you can be content with it. Is kind of, I guess, what I'm saying here. Um, Melbourne City, um, absolutely shit house performance. Um, from and I'm you know happy to use that word. Um, and to be honest with you, like we don't have the time here. So I'm not going to get into this, but maybe we'll save for the next podcast if they perform badly again, because this this team should be getting a lot more criticism than what it is. Uh, it's been an absolute disaster. Um, you look at the quality they've got on the pitch most weeks. It's just, it's inexcusable to have a result like that. Um, you know, you got guys like Curtis Good making just, just horrible mistakes, giving away goals. The second one that Waddingham scored, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, Jordan Hall, who played again in this game, the first goal for Waddingham. I, I have no idea what he was doing, just leaving the ball at the near post. So there's individual mistakes, but there's just also some stuff where it's, you know, I said this, I think a few weeks ago, where it was like, okay, get rid of Rado. I don't really think it was kind of going to, you know, it's clear It's clear that this was not just a Rado, you know, uh, only issue with this team at the moment. I mean, Jay McLaren can't, can't hit a barn door still. Um, you know, they've got a lot of issues. Um, on the flip side, one team which did change their manager and looking a lot better is Sydney FC. Um, and I have to say, like, I'm really surprised. I did not expect the Calais to have this sort of impact in terms of the the pressing side of the game with Sydney. I mean, they they absolutely shell-shocked and blew the Mariners away um on Saturday. That first 20 minutes, they knew. The Mariners, the Mariners were leggy. You could see it. They, they'd been traveling, obviously, come back from New Zealand with the game on Tuesday, and they just hit them where it hurt straight away. Pressing was super. Mariners couldn't get out. A um, couple of early goals, and and that was really it. And uh, Tale, you know, we... I mean, at times, we were there, these first press conference, obviously, mm, after, after Sydney beat Adelaide, and straight away, like, I, I think I asked him, you know, what, basically, what did you kind of change? And he said the first thing was kind of, you know, getting the guys to press higher. I think it was actually another journalist who asked that, uh, getting the guys to press higher. And he, the pressing thing has been something he is just adamant about every week. And you're seeing it like they are, they'd have to be one of the, one of the, um, 
one of the better pressing teams in the competition at the moment. They're, they're really, really thriving in that area. Um, so, yeah, tick for Sydney FC this week, big time. Um, and just also... On the Wanderers-Newcastle game, actual football that happened, Newcastle, I just want to give a bit of a shout-out to because, I mean, there's some real positives there with that team. Like, it's it's hard because if you're a Newcastle fan, you're thinking, you know, am I going to have a club to support in six months or 12 months or whatever it's going to be? But you look on the pitch, I think Rob Stanton, you listen to him talk, you listen to the way they, uh, you watch the way they play, uh, you listen to his kind of process, how he goes through the, through things with the players. And you think, wow, if these guys are known a little bit of more funds behind them to maybe sign some more, you know, uh, that kind of elite foreigner that can kind of set you apart a little bit. Like there's a real makings of a good project there um, because, you know, you look at Stamnolopoulos, Moragas, uh, Mark Nathas having a great season, Clayton Taylor, you know, we all like here. Like uh, even Ryan Scott's actually had a pretty decent season for a guy who, you know, no one really just thought much of going into the season. So they've got some individual pieces there that are actually is some, some building blocks potentially, but it's just unfortunate because I, it's hard for me to look in the future, I guess with, with that team uh, given, given the way things are off the pitch, but those are my, I guess, kind of takeaways from, from the round. Um, Antonis, Cody, if you could, what both of you briefly, I guess, uh, discuss maybe maybe some of those because uh, yeah because we are getting this is getting a, a little bit lengthy <laughs> yeah I'm, I don't know what to say I think you touched on it pretty well but yeah I'm just going to touch on Adelaide because that's what I do <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah it's unfortunately it's everything that we foreshadowed before the season started Christian I don't feel like this is a side that's got the experience to support the young players that's brought in. Stefan Mork obviously helps coming in. But again, it's a club that for over a year didn't have a director of football. And the football directing was left to a head coach who has to coach and a CEO who has to CEO. And the squad construction shows. Lockie Brook uh, asked to come back to Adelaide at the beginning of the season. He was told, thanks, but no thanks. And yeah, since then, you've lost a couple of wingers and your captain, Craig Goodwin. Bernardo's asked for his release and has moved on. And someone like Lucky Brook is killing it at the Wanderers, you know? Someone like that, Adelaide, we kill for right now. And I don't know if Adelaide saw that he didn't have the end product last time. When, for me, his whole game was fantastic, except the end product. So you could see he was building towards something. So I find that very disappointing that when you're looking for, I guess, star power, you've left someone walk like that but that's besides the point my thing right now is and again in an article that you can still find on front page football i mentioned it's a good idea no worries but when things go sideways who's going to drag you through that and the answer is no one right now and as you mentioned we were seeing a bit of pointing fingers to this pointing fingers to that that's fine but who's going to be the adult the professional, not just as a leader when it comes to your words, but to your football that can support these kids through it. Because once again, Adelaide were rescued by a, what is he, 18, 19-year-old with one of the last kicks of the game, a centre-back from a corner, and that's his second start. You know, that's not sustainable. And that's why Adelaide finds itself where it is right now. I don't know. I, I personally, I would love to be wrong once again, like at the start of the season. I would love to see the season go somewhere, but I don't think 
Adelaide can pick up enough points unless the other team continue dropping points around them. But at the same time, you have to pick them up yourself. So there's a bit left to be desired there with Adelaide. It doesn't get much easier playing both sides of the Sydney derby where Sydney away, Wanderers at home. But yeah, you play yourself in a position that you've got to make a shake in those games now and we'll see how it goes. But yeah, they don't fill me with confidence right now and I do feel like everyone in that building is kind of feeling it right now. But yeah, that's about everything I've got to say. Yeah. Uh, Cody, what uh, what did you, I guess, take away from uh, from round 16? I'll comment. We've heard so much about South Australia. I think I'll comment on what's happened in New South Wales um, over the weekend. We spoke about that even now. <laughs> <laughs> on the pitch. What happened on the pitch for now? Um, look, up in Gosford, I think there was, I won't say a performance, but a result I think we're expecting. Or it was kind of coming for the Mariners for a little while. You've gone this really, really good run. I'm not surprised that they Ooh, really. A ma- now, look, I'm not saying that they're a bad team or that there's inconsistencies that were going to be found out. I think they were just genuinely due a bad game. Just in general, and it wasn't really a bad game. It was just more a bad half. If anything. You need a wake-up yeah. call sometimes. Yeah, the, the second half was actually pretty good. I actually, I felt they they obviously got one through Torres, which um was a, was a great goal. Of course it was because he's Torres. Um, and then it was about the 75th minute, and I just got this feeling watching it. I'll tell you what, if they score in the next five, like this is this is definitely on. It's funny, so, I had the same feeling yeah. as well. And it was coming yeah. from um, maybe a little bit more from Jingarish. I thought he had a really good impact on he the match great. too. Yeah. And it was him and Torres. That were there I say, should well. he be starting over at Luke Wall? I, you I know? wouldn't be against it, in all honesty. There's definitely think, an argument. Yeah, it's definitely an argument. I reckon it's a strong argument too. But um, on the Sydney FC side of things, you see, when Caceres is at his best, he's genuinely one of the best players in this competition. And, you know, I spoke about you've got to develop players that are either going to go overseas and bring Th- them thanks, money Andy or Harper. come here. Thanks, Andy Thanks. No, I'll tell you what, I've, I have i don't think I've really come on and said a bad word about him. I've genuinely always been on that hype train. But um, you either want players to go and make the league money or you want them to stay here and raise the quality of the league. He's the kind of player that I don't think we produce enough of in this country. Very technically adept, very good in tight spaces. Maybe the style of playing the league doesn't suit him. That's why he's not always at his best. But when he's on, my God, he's on. And genuinely, he's a joy to watch. At Combank, on the pitch... Um, unfortunately, we spoke about the Wanderers for an hour, but I don't. I think you've got to give your. I know you mentioned Lockie Brook and Tonus, but that whole kind of attacking third of the pitch or that attacking midfield area of the pitch, Fun. Lockie Brook, Alex Bartolotto, and Nik- Nicholas Milanovic, that's a great trio to have sitting in behind strike. You're talking but, about Bartolotto, just. Well, I definitely give one. He he looks like a serious talent. Um, like he's kind of. Rudin's had to I, maybe he's had to kind of blood him a little bit earlier than maybe you would have hoped, but um, like they man, they got some good young players there. Like yeah, that's that what game, I mean. He's like only seventeen or something like that. Their squad, know. but that's what I'm saying. Like before, when and I'm not going to obviously open this up again, but good foreigners, actually pretty good performances from your regular A League guys. Like Prelante's been decent, Clisby's been decent. Like and then you know a good crop of youngsters. Like it's it's a pretty good squad, you know. So. And look, the reality is they're three points off second. This is a top topsy turvy league. Like one or two results either way can change your position, four or five positions in a ladder. So if I'm purely judging what I've seen on the pitch, Alex Bartolotto could genuinely be a serious talent that goes on to do something overseas. He's a young kid, so you don't want to put that pressure on him just yet. But 
in terms of Nicholas Milano, you, you already told not to put that pressure on coach. Yeah, I know. I've been told in certain terms. Hey. But um, you're talking at least the two wingers in that area. Maybe in the next one to two years, you could command a decent fee for. I think Nicholas Milanovic, maybe not this season, the one after, once he's had two seasons under his belt playing as a first-team regular player, then he's got four or five years in the A-League on top of that. By that stage two, you could probably command a fee in the seven figures for him going overseas and him being ready to make that step overseas. But Badalato is someone we could probably enjoy for another three or four years before. Not that he's ready to make that move, but before he realistically has to as well. So in that regard, there's a lot to like about Wanderers at the moment because I think those three players in itself, forget the foreigners, they're good players, yeah, but when you've got serious young talent like that, I think that's something to be proud of as well. And talking about what a player could potentially do in the future, looking at Newcastle Jets, the form Stamatolopoulos is in. I'm not saying this is something for now. I'm not even saying this is something to do in the next six months, but how long do you see him performing at this level before you sit there and go, maybe we bring him up in the soccer squad? This is why, uh, yeah, I urge you guys to go watch uh, Stanford's press conference yesterday. I saw he, that, yeah. Yeah, he spoke about like the process of signing uh, Stammer, how he didn't, um, he didn't watch any video. He was so convinced by having a conversation with him sort of thing. Um, so, oh, he's been, he's been absolutely fantastic. He's absolutely clinical um, besides maybe penalties, um, but he put, put his way on the... Oh, he's only missed, uh, it's, yeah. I think it's a bad rap there because remember, especially that penalty against Wellington, we smashed at home past... Um, Paulson. Paulson. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so yeah. he knows that, yeah. but I'm just thinking he had a bad day but out. But he's always, he's you know, p- people... People, I think, kind of wrote him off because he went to Western and then, you know, and then we didn't see him sort of thing. But at, when he was at Adelaide as a youngster, yeah. I, I was like, holy, holy crap, this kid's got yeah. talent. Like, you but know, you know so- what? Like, it's this Australian forwards in this league did not have an easy breaking through. Look at our two Socceroos right now in the A-League, not including Bruno. Sorry, Bruno. <laughs> I'm talking about guys that broke into the A-League. Who are they? Jamie McLaren and Adam Taggart. Look at how they started. They had to go from club to club as well. Yeah. You know, so it's not easy. It's And again, talking about food chains and stuff like that, if we don't play our Australian strikers here, who is going to play the Australian strikers? No one. So... Uh, Greek, Greek, Greek second player. division sides because that's yeah, what, that's well, who played. <laughs> but look at this. You laugh, but our yeah. next soccer striker had to play in fucking Rhodes. Yeah. Rhodes, the island. You know, it's. I find that a bit wild that this is the path that we force people down because we have to. We see an agent sends us a video of an average Bosnian player, and we're like, "Oh yeah, he'll do." No, you're not talking about Suleiman Kerpich, Absolutely are Absolutely I am, because a talented Australian striker who has become a wrong soccer very recently was made to play on the wing for that guy. So, yeah, I feel clubs can be a lot hey, come better. Come on, come on, come on. We've criticised Rudin enough in this podcast. No, 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 I'm not criticising him. And it's, he, that, that's a genuine a, Australian trend, though. You'd rather... Yeah, you, we, get, we, we only have a limited amount of foreigners, I get it, but everyone yeah, seems to go... I, Okay, we have a deficiency in this country. We don't have a lot of goal scorers. Great okay. one. Fine yeah. one. Well, exactly. And and I'm going to go back to Wellington about what they've done with Paulson this year. You don't always have to go and sign a superstar of a forward. Sometimes you can sign someone to support a young striker mm. you believe in. Mm. 
Mm. You know, you don't have to actively block their paths. But again, that's another discussion for another day that I've had before. I think, though, one the point I will bring up, and that has to do with Adelaide United and Joe Gauci. United got a really good fee for that for him. Why? Because they locked him in and locked him in early. If you see a guy that you are backing as a player and as a person, back him in early. Say we are going to Paul give you a, really, really a new contract to Wellington. I don't yeah. know. Has he? He has. He has. Yeah. So sign him up early. Sign them up, say, we want to back you for three years, but we don't want to keep you here for three years. We want to keep you here for one year, for two years, and this contract's going to help us get a really good fee for you. And with a good fee, two things happen. The club gets to do what it's doing for a bit longer, plus the player is a bit more valued when they go over there because no longer are you that garbage that they've spent 100, 200K on. You are someone that's commanded a real fee. So... I think, and I know clubs are in bad positions financially. If you're smart, you pick a player or two every year, and that's not be every year, just the next one's coming through, and you're like, we really like this guy. We think that he can go to the next level. And Adelaide did that with McGree, really. Adelaide doesn't spend transfer fees. They went actively bought Riley McGree, signed him up long-term, and sold him in a year. You know, and that's how it is. And Adelaide's made money from our latest move to Middlesbrough because they had a sell-on fee. That's smart business. You know, you take a relative risk, but if you're a club that's confident in its system, in its team, in its players, go for it. Yeah. Uh, and actually, just on this, quick shout-outs to Daniel Benny and Tom Waddingham because mm. both of them have had, like, a few rough weeks of late. Uh, Benny's been... We just struggled at the start of the season. Then he was out of the squad and then uh, out of the starting line. really good against And then, Adelaide. yeah, he was excellent. Stadich was full of praise. Um, and then Waddingham, uh, as me and Jake were talking about uh, recently on, on one of the pods, yeah, like how maybe it was better for him to, you know, set out a couple of games. He did. He'd come back in and he scored twice. So uh, good. Good to see kind of young players react and and, and make an impact like that. All right, guys, uh, that's enough. Uh, my, my vocal cords have had enough. Um, yeah, uh, great, great to, to have this back after a little bit of a hiatus. Um, and yeah, we don't, you know, uh, we'll try and do these weekly, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, without, uh, without um, you know, uh killing myself i guess so um yeah uh, where there's where there's time <laughs> permits and and when and when coaches uh yeah make 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 headlines every every third day then then for sure uh we'll, we'll jump on and talk about talk about what needs to be spoken about but uh guys anything to add before we uh before we wrap up if they i'm gonna track back to what you said about the coach making headlines if they i'll come out and say if there's one thing that i do agree with him to a certain extent it's the use of VAR I it's not a knock on the referee it's not even a knock on the people that are in the operating rooms it's a knock on the system I really don't like it and considering the way it does get used not just in Australia but around football I'm not surprised someone's blown someone, up in the end about it sorry someone uh, before the Warriors next game should ask Rudin about uh, uh, the Simbins and the blue cards yeah. and, uh, and see, see, see his thoughts on that that's, that's what I mean like look we've made got, quite a collection <laughs> We've got an international football law association that tries to detriment the game, and it is really frustrating. So you know what? <laughs> if the comments are limited to that, I am 100% backing whoever says them. You know what? 
whoever is in charge of that thing that you just said, Cody, I reckon that they should apply to run the A-League because they seem to have a sweet spot for creating stuff that no one wants and no one ever asked for. And Australian football loves that. I have, I have <laughs> ADL. Oh, God. <laughs> introduce... Uh, introduce it, uh, introduce them to each other. Um, we'll end up with 30 minute halftime break so we can have Usher perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, don't, <laughs> hey, don't disrespect Usher like that. Um, oh, I love Usher, I just don't want yeah. him performing at halftime of a football match <laughs> and 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 not with a, a shirt of both teams split. Hey, in half. Nah, before a match hey. is okay, and Jason yeah, Derulo is iconic, it's not yeah. halftime. <laughs> All right, guys, that'll do it for another episode of the uh, of the Front Page Football Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, follow us here on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening um, to the podcast on. Leave us some comments. What were your thoughts on our on our Rudin takes? What were your thoughts on uh, the APL statement today? Uh, it's Monday that we're recording this. Uh, and what did you make of Round 16 in the A-League? Uh, because that was nuts. Um, so yeah, I don't round 17 is obviously just naturally going to be a bummer from here. Um, all right, yeah, no, we're never, we're never hitting that peak again, and no. it's a sad reality to live with, but unfortunately, we have to live with it. Up Three nil all draws, my prediction. <laughs> yeah, we can't come off at that hard, Cody. Please, man, how many goals have we seen though? It's been great. Um, come down's bad, mate. Yeah, geez. All right, that'll do it. Uh, this has been. <laughs> Uh, myself, Christian Marchetti, and Thomas Pagonis, Cody Ajada. Until next time, it's bye for now.